What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Drops. Drops are an Oregon-based edible company and one of my go-tos when I'm heading into the dispensary. Their consistency and price point keeps them in my regular rotation of gummies. I love their 100 milligram canisters that have the little 5 milligram bites in there. They make it easy to monitor dosage and not get unexpectedly blasted. The chill ones are my favorite. They're this banging watermelon flavor and one thing that I love about these edibles is that they taste great sometimes you get some edibles that pack a punch but taste horrible and drops i have to be careful with because they taste so good that i just want to eat them like a bag of sour patch kids with drops you can choose your edibles based on how you want to feel that's possible because drops are made with live rosin a solventless full spectrum cannabis concentrate as a full spectrum concentrate rosin contains the full array of psychoactive compounds in cannabis which work together to give each strain its unique effect all of their cannabis is flash frozen and processed into that live rosin the flash freezing prevents plant material from decomposing and preserves terpenes that evaporate during the traditional drying and curing processes they come in 10 different flavors and strains to choose from including several cbd variations you can find drops at your favorite local oregon dispensary just tap into the link in the episode notes to find a supplier in your area Big thanks to Drops for their support. Let's start the episode. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, giving it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to leave those reviews. Cannot stress the importance of them enough. And if you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Tell a friend about the podcast, share it with somebody, leave a comment on a social media post, whatever you can do to penetrate the goofy algorithms. All the links will be in the episode notes. If you want to keep up with me, send me an email, dancablepresents at gmail.com. Would love to hear what y'all are listening to out there artists that you want to hear on the podcast or just your general complaints you know your thoughts 
if you need some advice, some unsolicited advice from someone that's probably not qualified to to give it to you, I'm I'm happy. I'm open ears. So hit me with those emails. Hit me with those those DMs. I am most active on Instagram at Dan Cable Presents. And I'm stoked to uh, get into a playlist style episode of the podcast. Going to be sharing four tracks from four different Portland, Oregon based artists, some of which have been on the podcast. I guess all of them, except for one, are our past guests. So I'm excited to uh, share some new music from some folks that I haven't heard from in a while. And uh, you'll hear some commentary from each of them about the music that's will be played on the episode. I just got home from a week-long tour run with High Pulp, the Seattle-based experimental jazz band. We did a little West Coast run, just a few shows. It was an exhausting week kind of situation where I left Portland last Sunday, jumped on the bus with the gang, drove down to LA. We were there for a couple days the band had a rehearsal and then uh, shows started on February 1st there at the Peppermint Club in Hollywood and then immediately started driving back up the coast towards Portland, played San Francisco on February 2nd and then was uh, at Polaris Hall in Portland on February 3rd. Just a, a short, exhausting run with the gang, left Portland last Sunday, made it back to Portland the uh the following Friday. So I think I we spent 60 plus hours on the bus at least, but even though it was a it was a short one, it was it was great to be back out on the road doing the tour managing gig. I I really enjoy that work and I'm really hoping to to continue to get to do more of that this year. I think I did about 10 11 weeks last year and my goal is to do at least 12 weeks on the road this year would love to do 50 plus actual show dates so we will see how things shake out i know there's some things in the works for high pulp later in the year and i just really enjoy getting to travel with them it's it's nine of us on the bus seven musicians and then phil our visual guy and myself so Nine of us cruising around is uh, always the the family band vibes. And for me, growing up an only child, that's always quite the experience. And and trying to wrangle nine people is um, sometimes an ordeal. And sometimes things go really smoothly. And I would say this time around, it went very smoothly. And uh, we got to all the places that we needed to be with with no real hiccups and and that tour was spent supporting Montreal Canada's Pierre Quenders so that was my first experience traveling with a band as a supporting act which is uh, a different set of responsibilities so it was cool to uh, get a better understanding of of that role and just really realizing that that everything there is to facilitate a good night for the headliner so appreciate pierre quenders for taking high pulp and uh, myself out on the road looking forward to the next run of shows there it was a pretty great weekend to come home to portland on friday night to a great polaris hall show my friend and former guest of the podcast hannah glaver was my production manager there at polaris hall that night which was really nice to just be dealing with a familiar face in that that setting and she made the night extra extra sweet and then the following night saturday night was my portland pine cones beer league championship if you don't know about the portland pine cones hockey club it is mostly made up of portland musicians or visual artists you know people within that community and it's a very cool group of people that i get to play hockey with nearly every single week and our team is usually pretty decent we've been to quite a few championships but we've only won one and that was in our inaugural season which was five years ago so it's been a lot of of heartbreaking championship losses these last few seasons but we made it back there saturday night and it was one of the most exciting hockey games i have ever 
gotten to be a part of. We went up early, one nothing. Things were feeling pretty good. The barn was shaking. We had so many supporters on both our side and the Thunderstick side, which always makes it a lot of fun when you've got a full set of bleachers for an adult beer league hockey game. Makes it very exciting when that place gets loud. So we went up early, 1-0, and then we lost the lead. Gave up three unanswered goals. It was 3-1 to one with like six minutes minutes left when our captain and former guest of the podcast dusty fox he designs all of our jerseys and our portland pine cones merch he's got a company based out of portland called jungle television just always impressed with what that dude is able to do with a pen and just kind of this artist extraordinaire he's a he's a great rapper he's a he's a great visual artist and he's a lot of fun to play hockey with but he got us back on the board with like six minutes left to make it three two and also took a gnarly gash took a skate blade to the inner thigh in which he uh got 12 stitches for after after the game but so he got us back in it and then we were able to tie the game with like a minute left and force overtime and i cannot uh even explain how crazy that building was going and our fans just chanting one more goal and one more goal and uh we got into overtime and our guy rufus small towns Got the OT winner. I was on the ice when the goal was scored. It was so exciting to uh, be a part of the celebration. And it's super goofy, but I think, you know, you spend that much time with people and, you know, everybody's kind of uh, giving it their all out there. It, uh, it it definitely creates a camaraderie that you can't really understand unless you are a part of it and i think team sports even at an adult level are so key in just building communication skills and supporting one another really just building community like some of us have been playing on this team together for five years so for us that won it that original year and are still around it was such a big deal for us to finally win that championship it was the first time that I won a championship not as a goalie I played goalie all my life and I still play some goalie in other leagues but I've been playing defense for the pine cones skating out these last couple seasons it's been a blast to uh, finally have that experience after being kind of locked up in that crease all my life so I'm still just kind of riding the high from that that game experience. It was it was so wild. It was so fun. I can't wait. We're we're starting the season. Season starts right away. We're playing our first game this coming Saturday. If you're in the Portland area and you want to see some Portland musicians and and some other goons do the thing, come out to Mountain View Ice Arena in Vancouver. It's just across the river and the games can be a lot of fun. So shout out to all of my fellow Portland Pine Cones. I love you guys. It was fucking beautiful night. What else is going on? Getting prepped for Tree Fort. I'm very excited to be going back out to Boise, Idaho next month, March 22nd through the 26th. If you're in that general area or if you're just looking to travel to an amazing music festival, I've had so much fun out there these past two Tree Forts and I've been exposed to some of my my favorite bands that are usually in my regular rotation because of it. And I will be out there doing a bunch of podcasts again. I've got some uh, some features coming up with Eric Gilbert, the uh, the founder of the festival, coming up on the podcast soon, as well as some uh, some Tree Fort artists leading up to the fest. So stay tuned for that and tap in to the Tree Fort Music Festival to follow what they've got going on there in Boise. I've also been having a lot of fun doing this Kink FM radio spot on the weekly 101.9 here in Portland Mainstream Radio. Every Thursday at 12.30 p.m., I have been given the opportunity to jump on the mics with uh, with Jared over there at Kink and plug a local Portland artist, get to play a track 
from the band and talk about any upcoming shows that they've got going on. I think it's just uh, very cool, not only for myself, who as a kid had dreams of being on the radio, but I think it's rad for the artists to get to hear their songs on mainstream radio. I know that the radio is not necessarily where a lot of people are seeking new music, but I don't think the charm of hearing your song on the radio has gone away, and I think it's still a very exciting thing for the artist. So big thanks to Jared for giving me that opportunity to jump on with him every Thursday, 101.9 kink FM. I am there plugging a track in an artist from Portland, Oregon. I've also created a Spotify playlist for all the stuff that I've played since taking over those duties. Uh, I don't know Four. I think there's like 14 songs on there. So I guess we're creeping up on on four months of me doing it big thanks to chris young formerly of vortex music magazine who uh, passed that opportunity to me it was something he was doing for a really long time and uh, i guess just felt like i was still really keeping up with things going on in the city music wise and thought i would be a good person to do it so i'm stoked to be doing it and if you're a portland oregon area musician please send me your tracks to be considered for that homegrown spotlight on kink every thursday at 12 30 p.m and one last thing before we jump in to some music in this first segment of commentary, you may have noticed that there is a new sponsor for the podcast and it is Drops Edibles based here in Oregon. And I just want to give them an extra thank you for sponsoring the podcast. I'm so excited to have them on board. I literally have Drops sitting right next to me and use these things on the daily they are my favorite edibles and go-tos when i when i hit the dispensary and i've been searching for a weed sponsor for a very long time for this podcast so this is a big accomplishment and uh it's really rad when it works out to be in partnership with a product that i actually use and feel great about heavily endorsing because they are truly great so we're making moves out here we got a weed sponsorship now and the links for drops edibles will be in the episode notes all right very stoked to get into this first track all the music that you're going to hear today are portland oregon based artists and one of my favorite portland bands is a group called small million and they are back with new music for the first time since 2019 the makeup of their band has changed quite a bit since the synth pop duo came on the podcast five or six years ago for episode 75 i've had the pleasure over the years to have gotten to see them play quite a bit and i've definitely been one of those people waiting for new music to be released episode 75 was when i was still doing a lot of studio sessions where a band or artist would come through the studio and play a few songs and we'd chat in between and record a video the song performances and that was a memorable one for me definitely one of those episodes early on when i walked away from it and i felt like i was doing something cool with the show Ryan and Malachi are both so talented and it's exciting to see how their new tunes are taking shape and the influence of new band members Ben Tyler and Cale Chesney have had on the songwriting and production and big congrats to small million for their recently announced signing the portland oregon based label tender loving empire tle continues to put out some really great music and also support a lot of local portland artists who aren't on the label as well they've got boutique stores all around portland including the airport and i always enjoy poking around in there seeing what records they have and they've got some cool apparel hats and shirts and, and other things going on as well. So this is Malachi and Ryan talking about how the band has evolved, songwriting dynamics, the Tender Loving Empire signing, and their brand new single that just came out today. First new track in five years, The Overkill. I'm really glad that The Overkill is the first song we're starting with releasing in this new chapter because um, I think it feels vulnerable in a different way than some of our past material. Our, our last two singles, uh, Saintly and Tarot, we put out in 2019. 
and they're a little bit more in the second person. Like they're each addressed to a you who had done something hurtful and kind of exploring my own responses to that. Where the overkill is a little different. There's less of an instigating incident from someone else. It's more from the inside out and just looking at the ways I process things. And I think a lot of our new material involves a lot of introspection and soul searching. I think over the last couple of years, like many people, I've had a lot of time to get to know myself better, the good and the bad, and a lot of time to overthink things and get really in my head about social anxiety and and yeah, just wondering kind of how how you're perceived. Yeah, writing with Ben Tyler and Kale Chesney has been hugely influential, both for our live performances and from a production standpoint. Basically, when COVID hit and the whole world shut down, we used it as an opportunity to just focus on writing without worrying how things would translate in a live context or how we would pull it off. The first step in that direction was incorporating live drums into the mix. So first we got Ben on board because he's insanely versatile and we knew how talented he was because we had played shows with him when he was doing his project Small Skies and uh, when he was doing live performances with Gold Casio. Then we brought him in to do the recordings, and of course he was able to take any drum part I had in mind and make it infinitely better. So when live performances became a thing again, naturally we wanted Ben to join us. Now with Kale, we'd actually been working with him for a while on photography and other visual elements for the band before realizing that they too were an incredible, incredible musician with their own project, Low Pony. Uh, yeah, the first time I heard Malachi and Kale harmonize together, I like welled up with tears. It was insane. So when we were recording this last bit, similar to with Ben, we asked them if they were first interested in working on the recordings, laying down some harmonies, and then when performances became a thing again, we were like, how can we get Kale involved? Let's ask if they want to do bass because we need a bassist and if they were down to sing. But yeah, both of them are so, so, so talented. And not only do they elevate the sound, both live and for the recordings, but they make performing feel more natural and more fun and even if we weren't working on music we just feel lucky to have them in our lives because they're just such beautiful people we are really really excited to be working with tle we both been such huge fans of the label the artists they support the storefront that they run the aesthetic that they've cultivated I was actually aware of Tender Living Empire before even moving to Portland a decade ago. Like, part of the reason why I wanted to move was to be a part of the, this music scene, and TLE felt very much at the center of it. In fact, I even have this distinct memory of driving up from L.A. with my car full of all my stuff, and I was passing through the mountains, coming into Oregon, seeing how beautiful everything was, and listening to O February by Ilobamba, and thinking about like what life was going to be like once I got there. So signing with TLE is, is actually this full circle moment. One of the great things about collaborating with Ryan is that he always encourages me to go to deeper places in my songwriting and lyricism. And that was definitely, definitely true on this track. There's this way that vulnerability is what makes connection with other people possible at all. But in doing that, you always run the risk of sharing too much or being too much. I really like that the first single of this new batch of songs that are kind of increasingly vulnerable is grappling with my own feelings about that at all. The overkill is really about that feeling when you leave a, a gathering um, or a night out and on the way home, instead of thinking about like what a great time you had, it, your thoughts just start churning on what you did wrong <laughs> and whose feelings you hurt or sort of like a heat-seeking missile trying to find uh, the shame in, <laughs> in any joyful evening. The Overkill is streaming everywhere now, and you can buy it on Bandcamp. And to keep up with what we're doing, we're small.million on Instagram, 
and Small Million on Spotify. Thanks so much for the questions, Dan, and excited to talk to you more soon. Very stoked for what's to come from Small Million. Thanks again to Ryan and Malachi for taking the time to record some commentary. We've got a big show coming up at Polaris Hall on March 6th with Less Gold and New Body Electric. Get tickets for that. As mentioned before, I was just at Polaris the other night with with High Pulp wrapping up tour there, and it just sounded great in there. I think the dude on sound's name was Justin, and he just absolutely killed it. It sounded sounded great in there. So check out that new Small Million single on Bandcamp and all the other streaming platforms. Add it to your playlist or find it on my March monthly playlist because it is currently in the March candidates and will certainly make the cut when it is time to post that one. Every first of the month, Look out for those monthly playlists that I'm putting out. They are available on Spotify and Apple. Links for those are in the episode notes. That February one is there now. And my hopes and dreams are to have Small Million back on the podcast for episode 375, which will be late in August. So I'm hoping for a reunion with them in person 300 episodes later to properly catch up. Next up, we've got Portland beatmaker and community organizer Love Jones, who was on the podcast maybe a year and a half ago, episode 288. 
my mom really likes his beats, really expanded her mind on that front. <laughs> I didn't really know Jonas, aka Love Jones, when I first had him on the cast, and I think that was really the first time that we ever got to hang, and I've had the opportunity to get to chat with him and get to know him more since then. And we've worked on some events together. Jonas is the creator of A Beat Happening, which puts on great beat maker and producer showcases around the city and just puts a lot of people on and in some cases gives people their first opportunities to play live. They're always great community building events. And there is one on February 19th hosted by he and none other than other past guests of the podcast, Free Tillman. But on February 17th at Doug Fur, this is a big show. Very stoked for this one. You can catch Love Jones doing a set of his own, his first Doug Fur appearance, and it will be opening the night for a co-headlining bill between Night Heron, who you'll hear from next week on the podcast, and the one and only Isabeau Vayu Walker. If you don't have your tickets for this show, you are fucking up. Get on it. I promise it to be a really great night of music. Love Jones put out a new record called Grit towards the end of 2022. This is him talking about that project. So for the Grit album as a whole... You know, I think a lot of the the themes in my work are sprung from the artwork. Sometimes if I don't really hit writer's block, but if I'm looking for uh, some way to get started or be inspired, I'll look for artwork or like through some old photos and stuff I've taken when I'm traveling or, you know, just walking through the city. And I saw this piece and it, like at first I was like, oh, it's just a good image and then the more I sat with it the more I thought about how a lot of the discussions I've had in the pandemic and since then about artists who have not necessarily given up but just like slowed down or you know stopped making stuff to try to make it through or readjusted or or just kind of let the burden of doubt like overwhelm them and and stop them from stuff so that scene, that image felt like a great metaphor for that. Um, this kind of beast always kind of lurking in the background and hovering over you and trying to, trying to, you know, wear you out and exhaust you. You know, I think that's how sometimes being a creative person feels like you're always trying to dodge self-doubt and kind of push past uh, your own inner critic. So I know it's kind of a kind of a heavy topic but I saw that image and then a lot of the the kind of beats that came out of that a lot of the themes about people kind of going through you know a tough time and 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 maintaining fed into the work so you know as usual it's pretty mellow throughout but um there's some motivational quotes here and there um taken from interviews and and other sources but i think ultimately that was what served as the the motivation for this project and felt like a great through line for all of the um the beats uh, in terms of the approach to production or recording i experimented with a lot more like electronic elements in this album um you know i think i can't all i can always uh lean on sample chops and uh audio sources from all over the place but something about working with electronic elements synthesizers more kind of ambient pad stuff uh felt that always feels like fall and early early winter music sounds to me i don't know that that happened with um the album on and on and on too but you know i just try to incorporate some of that and uh, some rework some sample chop stuff that i had that's always kind of part of the creative process too so it wasn't wildly different from previous albums but it's just trying to experiment with different rhythms and and different sounds is always a fun part of the process Uh, in terms of what i've created what i've (laughs) may have unlocked creative creatively you know i think 
I don't know that I unlocked anything so much as allowed myself to kind of follow the intuition of like if something felt like a genre that I didn't really know much about I just kind of kept exploring it and pushing it um, in terms of sample material and even even like more down-tempo pop music a lot of times I'll get inspiration from you know pop music drum patterns or a synthesizer sound or different sound effects and I'll kind of do like a subtle version of some of those things. I don't know that the average listener would pick up on that, but you know, it's it's things like that where I just keep learning. I, you know, I'm always listening to things, whether it's soundtracks or movies or um, new music. But there's always something I can pick up from most uh, most songs, most genres. So trying to incorporate those things and 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 grow as an artist is always part of it too. Um, in terms of what I what sparked the idea of uh, individual songs like Dream Sequence, there's just something about, I mean, the name is kind of goofy. You know, it's like a play off the word Dream Sequence, but I like to do like, <laughs> in terms of titling things, I'm always like, uh, I like to play around with uh, the words of something. So Dream Sequence, like the little glittery dots that people wear on dresses and and kind of louder outfits or textiles there was something about that that about the kind of dreamy quality of the 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 sound effects in the song and the synth pads and it made me just kind of picture like a slow spin of someone in a sequins outfit for no special occasion just to be extra <laughs> And that was really the, the inspiration for that one track and the title. You know, a pretty chill vibe overall with subtle pop elements in it. But um, that came to mind when I was titling the track and, uh, and I stuck with it. dream sequence off that grit album check out that wherever you listen to music and don't miss that doug fur show on february 17th night heron isabeau and love jones and that a beat happening event just a couple days later february 19th featuring a bunch of great artists now this next musician and songwriter jill sullivan aka chip nail polish is a new artist to me i find a lot of music through scrolling Instagram and there's certain people if they share music in their feed and or in their stories that I will check it out or add to a playlist to check out later especially if they're a Portland artist I'll try to make an extra effort to to give it a listen so I'm pretty sure that the first person I saw sharing this tune was Portland based musician and songwriter Sam Mendoza big fan of Sam's music I won't shut the fuck up about his lifeboat single that came out last year but chip nail polish has a brand new ep called bottom feeder that just dropped a couple weeks back it is available on all the streaming services and we are going to feature the first single off that project called rut which was my introduction to jill's music jill writes her music on ukulele which you will hear in the recordings but this new ep has a lot of big electric production on it as well giving it some edge and maybe speaks to some of the angst that jill was experiencing while writing this collection of tunes and trying to find her place in the world during a strange time so this is jill sullivan talking about her project chipped nail polish and working with portland-based producer and killer drummer justin Yu. So this new EP is definitely a departure from songs that I've written in the past. However, the initial process for how I wrote these songs remained really similar to how I always write my music, 
which is starting out with just me and my ukulele. From there, it really varies how a song goes. Um, Sometimes I start off with just a vocal melody and I'm able to build a chord progression around that. Sometimes it's the opposite where I start with a chord progression and I come up with a vocal melody after. Sometimes I'm just like piecing together random bits and pieces from my notes app and trying to figure out how to make it coherent. So yeah, it really varies, but um, it all starts with just me and my uke. I would say that the main inspiration for the lyrical content of Bottom Feeder really comes from the last couple years of my life. I'm just basically navigating post-grad blues and feeling super confused in my early to mid-twenties. I just feel like no one really prepares you for how weird this time of life is. And yeah, I was really just, especially with COVID in there as well, I was just really feeling like I was not reaching my fullest potential. And I was also living at home when I wrote a lot of these songs. Um, I grew up in Southern California, pretty close to the beach. And those solo beach trips was where I was doing a lot of reflecting. Um, I was feeling super nostalgic for my past like life that I once held. And that's where a lot of the metaphor and ocean themes kind of come into play that you can hear throughout the record. Justin, who is the person that produces, mixes, and plays all the instruments on the recordings besides um, the ukulele and vocals, which are me. He's so integral to my process and especially the process with Bottom Feeder. You know, I write these songs, I come to him with like a voice memo or I just play the song for him and then usually we just like talk about what I want it to sound like. Um, I send him some references. And then from there, it just looks like, you know, sending mixes back and forth, um, tweaking and fine tuning for a long time until we settle on, until we settle on a final product. So yeah, Justin is the best and working with him is so fun because he's just so good at what he does and it makes it really easy for me to have my vision realized because Pro Tools and Logic and all the DAWs are really scary and complicated. So I like having someone who's a lot better at that than me who can do things really quickly. (laughs) It'd probably take me like 10 years to produce Bottom Feeder on my own. Rhett was the first song that I wrote post-grad, I wanna say. And yeah, I had just graduated from the University of Oregon. COVID had just kind of rocked the world. And I was back living at home with my parents, which was, it was nice that I had a place to go um, and stay for a little bit, but it also proved to be really challenging in a lot of other ways. Yeah, it was just a time where I was really like lost and I had all these dreams and hopes and I had done so much in college and like live events and music and I just felt like I had all this momentum that was suddenly completely stopped and stuck and there's just no end in sight to it all and so that's that's where Rhett, that's the space that Rhett was written in and then I talked about this a little bit earlier but This was a time where I was taking a lot of solo beach trips just to kind of clear my head and get out of my parents' house for a little bit. 
So I reference like the tide going out in rut and that was like an idea that I had while I was having a moment on the beach by myself, <laughs> just thinking and reflecting. And in a way I, I knew that it like things, just like the tide goes in and out, I knew that things would get better. I feel like there's a thread of optimism that runs throughout the whole EP and in rut as well where I'm talking about like a lot of really hard things, but there's also a sense of, you know, needing needing to go through that in order to experience true joy and to get to the good times. Um, I was just like kind of coming off of a high and um, took a little downturn, but I, yeah, knew I would find my way out, or at least I, I hoped I would. And now, like, three years later, I can confirm that I've found my way out of that rut, which feels great to say. Well, I left the school with good marks, jumping off the highest part of mediocrity. And I know you'll say I'm not that shitty, but I'm pretty sure I got less pretty. I'm back again at the park, thought I had a clean shot of getting out of here. But every time I phone an upcoming chip nail polish show that was rut stay tuned for more from jill's project links of course are in the episode notes so you can keep up with her and all the artists featured in the episode also justin Yu is producing and engineering some great music everything that i've heard that he's had hands-on just sounds so full and big in the right ways and i recently had portland-based vocalist and songwriter julia logue on the podcast and she works with justin closely he did her new four single that just dropped check that out if you have not that episode came out last week and that track and chip nail polishes rut are both on my february playlist excited to hear more of what justin is working on i'm going to have to see about getting that fella on the podcast this year and we are going to move into the final segment of this thing it seems uh seems appropriate to save the bummer jam for the end so that we can all wrestle with our own existential crises that we're uh going through and ride this thing out this way this is uh the final track of the episode it's it's called this one's about you it comes from a new project from longtime pacific northwest 
songwriter and instrumentalist Ezekiel Rudick, who you might know from the band Young Elk and Violent Psalms. Zeke has a new project called Good Grief, and he recently dropped the first single from that project, and I've been playing this track pretty obsessively. It's got a different vibe to its somberness that I've ever heard Zeke tap into. He's definitely known for his darker, slow jams, and this song is not a departure from the darkness, but it's got this upbeat pop aesthetic that really gives this thing life. And like I said, this one has just been on repeat for me. If you're a fan of David Bazan, I think you will absolutely love this track. Zeke is an OG guest of the podcast. We're talking episode 49 when I was still trying to really find my footing with this thing. I met Zeke in an open mic I used to frequent, hosted by my dear friends in Camp Crush. Shout out to them. And I've kind of kept up with Zeke in one way or another ever since, and I'm always eager to hear what he's been working on. I think for me, it's just exciting to know that some of the people I came up with in this music community are still doing the thing. It's important to fueling the fire at times. So we're about to dive in to this final segment. I appreciate you all tuning in. If you're new to the show, go back and check out some previous interviews. Really loved that before mentioned Julia Logue chat and stay tuned next Tuesday for a brand new episode of the podcast. Big thanks again to all of the artists featured for taking the time to record this commentary for me. Appreciate you all. And uh, again, those links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with anybody that grabbed your attention during this episode. Hope everybody is doing all right out there, finding ways to uh, keep your head above the water. This is Ezekiel Rudick, aka Good Grief, talking about his new mindset toward making music and his debut single for the project, This One's About You. It's a program. I think it stemmed from a lot of things. I think I grew tired of um, being known or being seen as like the uh, the sad song dude who uh, is basically just writing all these dark, fucked up songs and it just stopped feeling true for me after a while. And so um, I really wanted to make songs that still talked about heavy stuff but felt good to listen to because I don't believe that people are generally stoked to uh, throw their money at a funeral dirge every single time. And uh, I think with my main band, Young Elk, I think I think we've we 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 have a thing that I'm I'm super proud of. But I think in recent years I've started to feel like um, it was inauthentic. And so Good Grief really is kind of. Um, kind of embracing uh, my own silliness and uh, I'm poking fun at this like dark passenger sad song dude because I really am just a uh, silly silly joke boy and uh, (laughs) likes to obsess about uh, the existential trauma that we're all facing at various points in our lives so how's the approach to writing these songs different? Uh, well, I think with uh, with Young Elk uh, and my other band, The Slow Sound, I think there's a bit more painstaking writing that goes on. I'm 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 kind of a weirdo where I just write a lot of songs. So when there's a Young Elk record leading up to that, I, I'm basically crank out you know about 50 songs, maybe 20 of those songs make it to the band, and then another 10 make it on a record. And that is just like a painstaking editorial process that kind of takes two years to uh, unwind all that. And I kind of just wanted some, uh, I wanted, I think I think the, the editorial process for that is good and it's been and it's good for that project, but I really wanted to see what it was like to just trust my gut and like what, where does, where does the uh, immediate, immediate inspiration take me and can that just be a song? And so I've just been leaning into like um, getting out of my own way and um, making tunes that feel good to play and sing and that are fun. I think I've, uh, I think I, I haven't had fun making or playing music um, in a long time. And so this was actually fun to write these songs and fun to record them. 
as far as positive response, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's really positive. I and mean, it's kind of like accidental. You know, I didn't really, I, I kind of have this uh, sinking feeling that uh, people are maybe, uh, I've, I'm, in, I'm, in a lot of, I'm in a lot of bands, I know that. I, I think I'm, I don't even know at this point. Um, some are defunct, some are not, but I'm in a lot of bands. I do, I do a lot of things and I, and I kind of have this, I always have this fear like, well, maybe people are just tired of hearing from me and maybe you shouldn't do this anymore. <laughs> um, so it felt good to make something that people were kind of, you know, it's not like massive amounts of people, but the people who hear it really, really enjoy it. And I've gotten a lot of like good response from it. And so that, that feels, that feels good. And I, th I think there's something to the simplicity of what I'm doing. It's not very complex. It's just kind of extremely accessible, instant, instantly accessed um, by the listener, I think. Hopefully you can feel my silliness in the heaviness of this music, and I think that might, that might be uh, part of it. I think, I, think I, I really enjoy just these songs that have um, darkness with um, a twinge of optimism. Um, even if it's like fleeting or, or far, completely far-fetched, I think it feels good to sing those songs. Like, yeah, it's bad. It's going to be okay, even if it's not okay. The world's fucked up, but there's sometimes uh, sometimes things work out. A lot of times they don't. But I think we're all going to be all right. And I think uh, I think that speaks more uh, to authentically to where I'm, I am at just in life as a human. Yeah, songwriting is like... Um, it feels like a compulsion at, at this point. Yeah, I just can't, I'm unable to stop. It's just such, it's just a fast way to connect with myself and kind of help me make sense of my own mind and uh, the outside world and all the complex things that I'm wrestling with. It's just such an easy connection for that. And, it, uh, and I think there's a lot of healing to the songwriting process if you kind of just like thrust yourself into it and um, kind of let yourself become a vehicle for kind of unpacking your inner world. If you're honest with yourself through that medium, I think you're just going to connect with people. It's just, and I, and I like that connection to people through songs when people, when, when, when the feeling makes sense and people catch on like, oh no, I, I, I get it. I, I get the hard truth and uh, um, let's talk about it. Um, that's always that's always fun for me. So I wrote this. I wrote the song in about five minutes <laughs> on my buddy Jeremy's uh, guitar when I was visiting him in Portland. It had a broken string. Had, a, had had it didn't have a G string, and so I just like ran through this like really basic chord progression, and like I was like really taken with this with this melody and this kind of like repetitive kind of um, refrain, and then it kind of like morphed into this tune about. A very complex kind of love, which is love that kind of turns to hate, but kind of turns to tenderness when mortality is on the line. It just kind of like it's reinforced this idea to me that it's really, it's really tough to love and be loved, and I think that's what I was really trying to get after with this song, which is um, love is complicated. It'd never not be complicated. It's really hard, and it's really beautiful and um and this is kind of like what are the limits of that what are the limits of your disdain after a love affair fizzles out in a toxic terrible way yeah and with this one you know i, I I've, I've you know midlife crisis stuff processing what my relationships with people mean and just trying to find a, a way to make sense of like what do i really believe about love and and have i been yeah, have I been real with myself about what, what love and the, that connection means to people, you know, that I'm, you know, currently with or um, people I've been with in the past that I've hurt, who've hurt me, you know, what are, what are the limits of that love and, and hurt and distrust?
want to give a big shout out to distro kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and for their longtime support of this thing don't forget to find that discount link in the episode notes or in my instagram bio 30 percent off your first year membership with distro kid helping you get your music in all the places it needs to be and big thanks to drops for making some of my favorite edibles in the game keeping me fine-tuned with their gummies whether thc heavy or cbd heavy great for stress and solid sleep find them at your favorite local dispensary appreciate the support more info on drops in the episode notes as well stay up stay tuned <laughs> 